All right, welcome back to the Heffinger Podcast, Episode 7. It's me and my dad today. A little uh, coffee, it's, it's morning. Yeah, a little coffee. Um, it's going to be a nice, a little bit shorter episode today. Uh, it's been a busy week, but so I thought we'd talk about what kind of what it's like for you and then kind of from the patient's perspective going through <laughs> surgery from what, uh, when people have pain, what that presents as, uh, the different procedures you perform recovery and, or the actual, yeah, the actual procedure and then different recoveries, stuff like that. Well, I think so. Starting from when a patient first comes in to see me, I think the first thing you need to do is um, kind of adapt to each patient because I think people are nervous when they come in. They're telling you about something that's very important to them, and they don't know. I think they're sitting in front of a neurosurgeon; they just don't know what to say if they're going to say the right thing. Or so I kind of guide people through it. So what I do is, you know, certainly I introduce myself and and um, might ask them a question or two about themselves and how old they are and just kind of break the ice a little bit. And then from there, I'll ask them, you know, well, you know, what can I help you with? Cause I'm, I'm there to help them. So I mean, what, what can I help you with? And I think that opens up things nicely. And then people will start to open up and I'll, I'll ask them, you know, if they, if they go on their own and let people talk for five minutes or so, just to give me their perspective of what's happening with them. Some people don't, don't say much, you know, so you kind of have to guide them. So I'll say, well, let me know, you know, can you tell me where you have pain and I'll have them show me exactly on their body where the pain is. And I'll ask them, where does the pain go? You know, and I have them just pretend like they have a paintbrush and paint it down their body exactly where it goes. And that gives me a really good idea as a neurosurgeon. If it's a nerve related thing, you know, what nerve is it? Because they're telling me by painting it on their body. And then you got to know how long they've had it, you know, and um, is it there all the time or does it come and go? Is it there every day? Um, How long ago did it start? Is it progressively getting worse or better? Um, and then, you know, what kind of treatment have you done for it so far? Have you been through physical therapy? Have you been to a chiropractor? Have you been to pain management? And and there's other questions, but th- those are the main things I try to ask people just to get it started. And I think as you get the interview going, people start to open up to you. They'll feel more comfortable, and then they'll give you some of the other little details that maybe we need to know. And so that that's, that's the start of the interview. And, uh for people that are like maybe intimidated coming into the offices or are not sure what, what to say or what to ask, not just you, but just any doctor, yeah. what would your advice be there? And do you have advice for people like writing out questions in advance and don't forget? I mean, that's, I mean, it's a good option is to, if you, you know, write down questions and have them. But I think at the beginning, um, just remember you're there, <laughs> you know, you're there to get help and, and the doctor's there to help you. So you don't want to come in, thinking that somebody doesn't want to help you or, or you're going to be rushed through it. And, um, you know, if a doctor's going too fast for you, try to slow them down. I, I often, maybe if I have a busy day and I'm moving too fast, a patient will say, can you just slow down a little bit? Can we go over things a little bit slower? And I'll, and I'll respect that. And I slow down a little bit. So I think you have to stand up for yourself as a patient and politely as you can say, you know, can we just go over things a little bit slower or, or you yeah. know, bring up things that you want to bring up? Because sometimes I think, a surgeon has a, a list of things that he wants to know and that's it. Um, and there's a thing that things that you want to get in there that you want to tell them and you have to find a happy medium. Cause there are people who come in who will try to tell me every detail over the past five years of everything that's bothered them. And obviously we don't have time to go over all that. And a lot of that isn't important in the final decision. So, you know, I have to very nicely and politely say, um, 
you know, that that's good information, but it's not going to help me particularly right now in making this decision about what's going on right now. Well, so, you're, in the, you're the expert there. And that's where yeah. like your experience can come in where certain things like showing you where the pain goes yeah. on their body. That's way more indicative than all these different, they might've yeah. been through a ton of, because before they get to you, they have to usually get a referral from someone or have tried other yeah. stuff. So when I think you have to be flexible as a patient a little bit, I mean, you probably have a, a certain mindset of what you want to gather out of this appointment, but you have to let the specialist or the doctor senior give them a little leeway because they've been doing this for a long time and that's their job. And so they kind of know what they need to ask you to get to a point that they can help you. And so you, you have to be patient with them as much as we have to be patient with you, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, once you do that, then. Well, to, yeah. to pause a little bit there. Well, a, a, a big issue is, too, is just like there's Google out there and everything else. Patients crave information and um, they'll go somewhere to find it, whether that be Google or YouTube. Yeah. And anything that's put on the Internet is not necessarily accurate. So then sometimes you have to unravel patients come in their expectations on stuff. Yeah. You gotta be, and you gotta be very, very, very careful because when you're on the internet, because, and I'm not even saying the information's wrong, but it's different. Like, you know, you, you find a surgeon from Mayo clinic who does a procedure a certain way. And then you come in to see me and I describe it a totally different way. And you go, well, wait a minute, this is not what, how it's supposed to go. You know? So you have to realize every doctor is different. Every doctor's expertise is different and we do things differently. So don't, don't go on the internet and find, you know, somebody who does it this way and say, I just thinking that's the way that everybody's going to do it. Yeah. Cause it's not, that's not going to happen. One, um, well, one quick example of that is, um, people like doing like a lumbar fusion and stuff. You right. can do so many different what ways. Is it, X lift, A lift. Yeah, it can come from the front, from the side, the back, you um, rods and screws, right. Or, or sometimes not rods and screws. So, so like every doctor. Yeah. So that's actually something too. And something you can tell your patients without, if you don't have as much time with them, something he started uh, several years ago and I, I worked on him with is we create patient education videos for his patients of like personalized procedure videos because there is so much information. And a lot of times when you're at a medical office visit, you are like you're in a foreign environment. You don't feel as comfortable. So instead of people going home and looking at YouTube themselves of some other doctor talking, yeah. we made your videos of just you yeah. doing that. I mean, that's rather, kind of what I'd led rather, to social yeah. media. Because I'd rather have you listen to me about what I said in the office, how I'm going to do the procedure than getting on the internet to go hear about how somebody else does it. So so we have videos of me speaking to our patients specifically about the procedure they came in to have done and me explaining it to them. So even if you forgot everything during your office visit with me, it's all in the video afterwards that you can watch. We send it to your cell phone. You can watch as many times as you want with your family or send it to your daughter across country or wherever. Um, um, it, the, the other thing too, to be careful of too, I think is um, I guess so many people, especially this week who came, come in, it's just a recurring theme, but you know, a radiologist reads a report and it sounds horrible. And then I, I go over the films with you in the office, the MRI or the CAT scan or the x-rays. And I'll say, maybe it doesn't look that bad. And they'll say, well, how can you say that? Because radiologists say, I have this and this and this wrong. And so there's always a different interpretation of how a radiologist will read a film based upon how a surgeon will read a film as far as surgery goes. You know, I can look at certain things on an MRI and see if it's significant and do you need surgery or not. But you got to be careful about reading things, these reports, because it'll drive you crazy. And then the surgeon says something totally different. So many patients come in expecting surgery because they think the report sounds horrible and their primary doctor read the report and thought you needed surgery. And then you come to me and I say, you know, really it doesn't look that bad and you don't need surgery. And so it's a big, it's a big problem. I think for patients is this 
disconnect where they're coming in with an expectation and I change that expectation. And it's only because, you know, I, I have a certain way as a surgeon looking at MRIs to, to talk to you, look at the MRI and know, do I think you need surgery or not? It's not based just upon how a radiologist reads a report. So that's something else to be careful of when you come in for an office visit. Yeah. And so I'll also touch on a couple of things. So some misconceptions I think too is like surgeons always want to do surgery and um, surgery is just going to, is will magically fix stuff. So to address a couple of those, why don't you talk about your philosophy of care? I think some people would be surprised when you tell them like, no, I don't think you should have surgery or the trade-off sometimes we'll touch on this too, of when you're very old. Uh, yeah. Cause I know your philosophy of care is usually surgery is a last resort, which people definitely don't have that opinion on surgeons or general conception. Well, I, just from my world. So I, I think you can prey on people. I mean, there's so many people come in in pain who will really do anything because they want to get out of pain. So, I mean, you could, you could operate on people all the time if you wanted to, because the radiologist will always dictate something abnormal, right? So I can always find something in a report that's to justify, say, this disc looks abnormal, we should operate on it. And patients, I don't think, you know, I mean, they, they just want to feel better, so they're going to trust you. And that's where, that's where I think back surgery and spine surgery gets a bad rep, because, you know, so many people get potentially unnecessary surgery at times based upon a radiologist report. So, um so I think I, I think most surgeons are going to be of the of the sort that they're going to. It's not our goal to operate on you. I mean, um, I do plenty of surgery in the end, but I I want you to come in and feel better at the end of the day. I don't want you to come in at your month visit and say I don't feel any better. Now what do we do? I mean, I don't want that either. It's you know, it's, so I, I try to really pick people that that I feel surgery will help, and we always will try if there's you know somebody has a, a, a deficit or they're becoming paralyzed or or something's really significant. You may move on to surgery earlier, but it's always wise to start with a course of physical therapy. I mean, I, I see people all the time with narrowing of the spinal canal and pinched nerves, and you put them into therapy, and they come back six weeks later, and they feel 80% better. So, so therapy is always an option. Um, a lot of people go to the chiropractor, and I don't have any problems with the chiropractor as long as it's helping and it's not hurting, and, and it's done in moderation. So I think that's fine. Pain management can be a way around surgery, especially in somebody who is not a good surgical candidate or they're elderly, um, you know, pain shots, your back can be helpful or to your spine. But I think, you know, surgery typically is the last option unless, unless somebody has been through all those things already and they have something that surgery will help with. Or if somebody is just an excruciating pain, they have an obvious problem on their MRI and it's just, you know, inter interfering with their life on a daily basis, you can always move surgery yeah. up the ladder. Well, we're, and we're talking about elective surgeries, obviously. Yeah. Elective is, surgery, not, not emergency um, surgery. So which, yeah, so you want to explain so, just the way elective surgery is clear. Yeah. So we're talking about office visits. So if you're, if you say you have pain in your back and pain down your leg and you've had it for two months and you go see your regular doctor and maybe you tried some therapy already and it hasn't helped or maybe not, um, you get an MRI, it shows like you may have a pinched nerve, then they'll send you to a neurosurgeon, me, to evaluate you. And so that's an elective type of thing, right? You know, you go through your regular doctor's office and then you get referred to me um, for me to evaluate as opposed to like if I'm on trauma call or um, I'm on call for the week and someone comes to the emergency department, they have, you know, sudden onset of pain in their back down their leg. They have a huge disc herniation. They've got weakness of their leg. Then that may be more, you know, emergency surgery. Or then there's trauma where you have head injuries and back injuries and from car accidents. You know, those are emergency cases. But today we're kind of talking about the office visit electively. Yeah. Well, that's, and that makes up especially at this point in your career. Like yeah. The majority, say, the majority of what yeah, the you majority do. of what you do. And, yeah. um, it's, it's not, 
it's because you don't, it's not like you just treat your patients that way. Even my mom, your wife, she got back surgery early this earlier this year. And I remember the other year she wanted you to look at her films and she, she almost wanted you to just say like, Oh, you should need surgery now. And you saw like a slight issue so yeah. far, but you're like, until it worsens, it's probably not something. So it's yeah. not like, so you've practiced that too. And I remember that was, she, she was annoyed well, yeah, by that. She, wanted, she just she, wanted, she just, even though she, she goes, are you saying there's nothing wrong with me? I mean, read my report. And then there, there we go. And I said, Cindy, I, I read your report, but I mean, there's, it's not as bad as it sounds on your report. And you know, you're not quite at the point that you need, should have surgery, but, but, but she was in pain, just not, she could still go for walks. She just wasn't feeling, you know, normal. Well, it's, but, I think but then it progressed to the point where she really was interfering with her life. And then her, we got a new MRI. It was worse. And then that was the time for surgery. Yeah. Well, no, I think sometimes it's, it's wanting to be heard. There's definitely, I think that's a big thing in healthcare is um, some people feel dismissed it's true. at different times. So you, yeah. you have to hear. Well, and those are the hardest offices because I can't, can't tell you a number of people come in with horrible pain and, and I can't help them. And, and they read their reports and they just, they think I'm not. They think I don't want to help them. They think I'm just not, you know, competent to help them. And they leave sometimes disgusted even, you know, and I, I can't do something unethical. I'm not going to operate on somebody if they don't need surgery. And so there are people out there who just, they, they, they're in so much pain, they don't know what else to do, you know, and they want you to do anything you can do to help them. And, and if I can't do surgery, I can't change that. Yeah. Um, and then they want to know, you can't just, you know, so you're saying you can't help me and I have to live like this. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying me as a surgeon myself, I can't do surgery to fix you. And I don't know what else to tell you to do if you've already been through all those conservative measures. There's always a second opinion. I encourage people to get second opinions if that's what it takes. And you just have to hope the next surgeon is not unethical and, and does the proper thing. Well, that's, that's, I think that's the issue with stuff too, is if you go to enough surgeons, eventually you can, someone's going to find someone. Yeah. And you'll find someone who says, yeah. okay, we can, they'll do surgery. We can do surgery on this. And the reason he's saying you can't do surgery is like, there's a very, very high, like almost like 95, 99% chance it's not going to help them. And you know that like there's a small, well, you mean in that, in that group of people where I don't think it's going to yeah. help, but you know, there's other, another way to it too. I always tell people, I mean, I don't know it all, right. I'm not a know-it-all. So I can just tell you from my experience as a neurosurgeon for 25 years, I don't think surgery is going to help you. But that doesn't mean there's not another surgeon out there who's seen 100 people just like you and saw MRIs like yours and he did this procedure and it helped, you know. So sometimes you got to tap into other people's experience. I don't, I only have my experience, you know. And so there, maybe there's another surgeon who's had different experience with, with symptoms like yours. And so it doesn't hurt to go to somebody or two more people just to see if maybe they've they've seen something that I haven't that they found that helps. So I'm not saying that ruling surgery out hundred percent. I just have to realize when a surgeon says no to you about surgery, it's, they're only doing it from their individual experience basis. You know, it's not. And what mean, they think is they're trying yeah. to, they're giving you yeah. their expertise and trying right. to do what's best for you. Right. But yeah, also different surgeons, some people like there's stuff that's more specialized than the stuff you typically do. So then someone would have to go somewhere else. Yeah. If there's something beyond what I normally do in my normal practice and I will firm, you know, if it's something specialized to the brain or the spine that's beyond what I normally do, then I'll refer them to U of M or Cleveland Clinic or somewhere like that to see a specialist, even a specialized neurosurgeon who just focuses on that specific problem. I mean, yeah, there are some... surgeons who just focus on one specific area um, of the brain or spine and, and they do very complex surgery. And so obviously they're more qualified than I would be because they do that all the time and I don't do those specific surgeries. So you got to know your limits as a surgeon, I think as well, which 
Well, because I think that's something too. People would think like neurosurgeon. That's already very specialized. Right. And people, you know, brain and spine surgeon. Yeah. Uh, there's they think oh this person knows everything. Yeah. Um, but then there's so many there's multiple sub specialties within neurosurgery. Yeah. You know, it gets you can get way more well, specialized. And in the end, it can't be an ego game. You can't. I mean, I. I Obviously, you have to have a little bit of ego to be a nurse surgeon, but you can't be egotistical because, you know, in the end, it's about helping you feel better as the patient. And it's not about my ego that I can do a surgery. So you have to, I mean, I learned a long time ago to differentiate the two. And, you know, I have to have to do, I always think about it, if it was my wife or my son and they needed this surgery and I don't do a lot of them, I'd send right off to the specialist. So, I mean, you got to think of things as your own family, really. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, moving on. So, so what so happens? Look, so we looked at the films in the office. After we look at the films in the office, um, then I'll talk to you about what I think you need to do. And if it's surgery, then we sit down and go over in detail what the surgery would entail. Um, really, that's the time that I let people ask all the questions they want to have. And a lot of people have a whole list of questions on a piece of paper, which is great. And we try to take the time to answer as many of those as I can. And then, um, well, and after and then that- I give them the video so they can watch all this again at home. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just back to the office visit too, okay. is when you like you th- someone who would be a candidate for a good fit for surgery with, when, uh, you, you don't tell people too like from like what I've all the times I've been there and when we set up the flow so we can text out the video and other stuff, you don't say like, Hey, like you gotta make a decision right now. No, you say, Hey, go home, discuss this with your family, go over yeah. everything. I told you go yeah. watch the video, share that. with, yeah. And that's the whole point is because you want people to be, some people don't fully understand what they're like, like doing with surgery and stuff. I mean, that's another reason we made the videos so people could yeah. fully understand their surgery and be informed about their healthcare and be enabled to make decisions that are best for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you ever go in and you feel rushed into surgery, like you don't have your questions answered and you're just being rushed into surgery to make a decision that day, um, that's not how, I mean, that's just not how I do. I always tell people and you know, you don't have to make a decision today or right now, go home and think about it. We'll give you a number to call back. If you want to come back and see me for another visit and bring your husband or wife or family, I'd be happy to go over everything again because you know, you should feel comfortable with the decision. I tell them to watch the video and and I'd say 90% of those people who go home and think about it will call back and schedule surgery. But the wrong thing is to try to tell somebody, okay, you got to make a decision right now. Do you want the surgery or not? I got to get going. I got another patient. So that's not what you want to happen in your visit. I wouldn't think I wouldn't yeah. want it as a patient. So I try not to do that. And the only reason that we, we talk about the videos, that's something um, you had thought about like right around when Brian died, then we never, you never really did something with it. And then yeah. I was in college. That was something too, like I do for other doctors. Cause we get so many positive, like so much positive patient feedback on these personalized videos yeah. that they share with their family members, especially through COVID people that might not get to meet the surgeon. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's pro- that, that you have the whole flow with that. Cause then we talk about, you talk about all the other stuff too. Cause a lot of people, the, the conception there too, on some patients, they're like, I don't want to see the surgery and stuff. Like you detail the surgery, like using MRIs and everything else. And we've shown stuff like that on social. We started doing, that was kind of the original idea of why to put like, why we started putting stuff on social media. It's like, okay, patients like these so much. Let's, kind of put out some other general education of you explaining the MRIs to people or, or stuff like that. Cause a lot of people say you're, you're good at talking in layman's terms and 
articulate things. And we don't, yeah, we don't show the actual surgery. It's just about me. It's just a recreation of, of me talking to you in the office. So, I mean, I just explain an MRI that's representative of yours. Again, I use models to explain how we do the surgery. I'll show you sometimes what the films and a typical patient's had a fusion with rods and screws would look like afterwards. So as much information as I can give you in there, I do, but it's not actually showing the blood and gore or anything like that. Because yeah. some people say, I didn't watch the video because I didn't want to see it. It's not of the surgery. Because well, you realize people yeah. want care about all the other stuff so much more. That's what we like. People want to know, like, what what is it that, what are you seeing that means I need surgery? It's so like the MRIs, the symptoms and stuff. And it's obviously just a representative one. It's not their specific right. one. Talking about what the actual surgery you do, like, so you might remove a bulging disc or something else. Um, and then it's talking about the recovery time and what recommendations you have. Right. Each surgeon recommends like lifting different amounts after surgery. Right. And, and most surgeries, you know, you're going to get better for like six months to a year after. Um, but if you, I mean, you can check out the videos of any of the, the, the surgeons we've done, vi- I've done videos before. It's um, amm.media. And if you go to the doctors, there's a couple different types. We have orthopedic surgeon, um, urogynecologist, couple neurosurgeons. Um, but I've done doing that. It's, um, I don't know if you've never seen, I think they're still, they're pretty good for even people yeah. who. And it's important too. I think um, like, you know, a lot of people get online on the internet afterwards and say, well, what should I be doing after my lumbar fusion surgery? Well, again, every surgeon's different. So that's why in my videos, I tell you me specifically, here's what I want you to do, how to change your dressing, what to lift, what activities, when you can drive. And what I recommend to patients can be different than the next surgeon. So that's what I like about the videos because it's my, it's my regimen that I'm talking to you about specifically and not some other, not you getting that information from other surgeons online. Well, in the, yeah. it's like us doing this here. Um, I, Cause I realize that's his expertise of knowing in medicine, how that operates. And then I, where I come in is I, no one likes to read stuff anymore. You get yeah. these long packets for yeah. like, you'll get like a 12 page packet. And it, it, it's, you, you grab the pack, then you maybe set it at home somewhere, but then you have to look through and people don't like doing that as much. We're so used to watching videos, like going on, like if I, mm. if I need to look up um, how to assemble like a new piece of furniture, I guess because of my age and generation, I don't look at the instruction manual. I usually do like a how-to video on YouTube. What's crazy too, like I'll see people who have been out there, you know, say they had about a back pain, they went to the emergency department. And then when they come in to see me as a patient, electively, they've got, they'll show me why I went to the emergency department. That's what they gave me. It's like 25 pages of just, I don't even know what's in it. I can't, I don't have time to look through it all. And it's hard to even find what they did because there's so much extra stuff in there you don't even need. So it it gets carried away, all the stuff they print out, you know, to give you to read and yeah, um, just all generic stuff too. It's just generic. Yeah. So after the office visit, someone has gone home, they've talked to their family, they decide they want to proceed with surgery, they get that scheduled. Then what's what's like actual surgery? That's usually the shortest part, right? Or like surgery day. Yeah, I mean, so at some point you have to come into like a pre-anesthesia visit um, and they kind of go over you, do an exam, tell you what to do. Like, you know, the night before you have to scrub your back and take a certain bath and things like that. And then obviously the day of surgery, like if your first case, if it's my first case in the morning at seven or seven thirty, you know, you got to be there like at, you know, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning to the hospital and people who live two hours away. I mean, I'll have people who are, you know, in their seventies, eighties, and they had to get up at three thirty in the morning to drive to the hospital. So it's a big deal. 
So I always try to be on time and respect that they've gotten up early to come in and have this done. And then I always stop always before surgery um, to talk to the patient, ask them if they have any last minute questions about the surgery. Sometimes I haven't met a family member. So family members will be there that I didn't meet and I'll introduce myself and see if they have any questions because a lot of times they weren't at the visit um, and they didn't watch the video. And so they'll have a few questions. And then from there, you know, um, the patient gets taken back to the operating room and anesthesia has to um, get you to sleep. So that takes a little bit of time. And then we have to position you on the operating table. And then, you know, surgery itself, once, once you're on the operating table and you're asleep and we clean everything up with sterile prep, um, you know, surgery can take anywhere from an hour to five hours, just depending on what surgery I'm doing. And, um, and then once I'm done with surgery, then um, I leave the room. I'll have the nurses call to put the family in a room. I'll go out immediately and talk to the family, let them know how surgery went, ask, ask, answer any questions, tell them when they get to see the patient. And then from the patient's perspective, you know, anesthesia has to wake you up a little bit in the operating room, get you off the operating table, and then they'll take you into the post-recovery room where most people are there for an hour or two. If it's a same-day surgery, they let you wake up, start eating, drinking, walking. You can go home in an hour to two hours to three hours. If it's stay overnight surgery, you know, you'll be in recovery room for a couple hours and they get you up to your room. And then, and then that's where the nurses kind of take over and the nurses will gradually help you get out of bed. Hopefully later in the day, start eating, um, control your pain that you may be having with pain medication. Typically, um, I'll see the patient the very next morning. And I would say 90% of my patients go home the next morning. So I'll come in and see them. So the other day I had three patients in the hospital from the day before. So, so Jenny, my physician assistant, I went in and we saw each patient before we went to office. Office started at 7.30. Um, so we go to the hospital, see the patients. I'll go in, talk to them, see how their day went, see how the night went. We'll look at their dressing. If it needs to be changed, we'll change it, check their strength, make sure they're doing okay. Um, and then just tell them how the day will progress. You know, they're going to get you up a little bit more this morning, eat breakfast, maybe lunch. And if you're doing well by late morning or early afternoon, you can go home. Some people are ready to go right when you walk in. So they'll be out of there by eight o'clock. And then, um, you know, I go, I reiterate all the instructions about going home and let them know it's all in the videos to watch the video. Plus on their discharge instructions, we write down, you know, certain things we want you to know how to change your dressing, when to shower, when you can drive, how much to lift. So we put all that in written form plus my video. So as much information as we can give you when you leave the hospital, so you're not going home wondering what do I need to do next. Yeah, the more, the yeah. more verified yeah. information you give that's directly yeah. from you as a source versus... Yeah. And we have a nurse in the office every else. day, five days a week, who can, who's very good. And so we always say you can call her too, any questions you have. And people do call. So we try to give every avenue we can. So when you have questions, you're not sitting out there wondering what to do. And that's something that you should ask ahead of time, you know, after surgery, what do I do? Like, how will I know what to do? Will I have written instructions? Can I call somebody? I mean, that's all important stuff to know. And so we try to hit every avenue to help you after surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so now they've had surgery. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about like the typical recovery or like what, or not recovery that's per se, but like, so you usually see people in the office, uh, like anywhere of two, six yeah. weekends um so it just depends like you know if it's if it's a if it's a uh, you know a neck or back surgery typically i'll see some people at two weeks but typically i see you at a month and then i'll do a three-month visit and e each of those visits obviously i examine you and look at your incision but also talk about how to increase your activity 
if you need physical therapy, I usually start that at a month. Um, and then answer any questions that you have at that visit about things that you're wondering. And so, um, if you've had a bigger surgery or a fusion with rods and screws, I'll typically see you out to six months in a year or two. So a little extra visits for those. Um, if you've had a brain tumor removed or, um, your trauma from the hospital, it just depends. You know, I mean, I usually, when I have you come back in after removing a tumor, I'll have you come in two to four weeks after surgery with a follow-up CAT scan to make sure there's no new changes on the head CT, um, go over, you know, activity limitations and restrictions. Um, if it's, if, it, if there's ongoing active treatment, if it were a brain tumor that needs to continue to be treat, treated with radiation or chemotherapy, typically I'll see people out to three to six months as well. And, and then traumas, you know, it's all very similar, but traumas to your back or your brain. I mean, typically it just depends how you're doing. I mean, if you're doing really well, I might see a, a month later, if you really need close follow-up, I might see a week every week for a few, you know, two to four weeks. So it just depends on the individual patient, you know? Yeah. So, but and that's just too, to make sure everything has went well, is going well. Yeah. They know everything, yeah. everything's But good, you got to so. have context in the office too. Like, you know, obviously things can happen. I can see you one day and not going to see you for a month. And all of a sudden, three days later, you've got leakage from your incision or you have a bad headache or you're having increasing pain and you can't wait a month, obviously. Right. So I always tell my patients, you know, if something is changing, it's getting worse. You don't have to wait a month to see me. You call the office. We'll get you in. We usually get you in right away either with the nurse or my next office when I'm there and always, always, always tell the people, you know, that they can call our office and the nurse can help you. If, if it's a, if it's a significant problem that she can't handle, she'll call me. And, you know, we always have you come in no matter what. So yeah, that, the, the normal follow-ups are just for people that are, they, are doing smooth. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's going smooth and just double checking and everything. Um, but, but yeah, I think that breaks all that down. That's a pretty good detail for people yeah. and kind of gives the perspective. I think a lot, most people who are patients, they, they see it from their side. They don't necessarily see from the doctor's side. But I think one yeah. interest, like good aspect that you talked about was how you might, I mean, you have to remember we're all, everyone's a human. So like some days you might be busy and you have, you know, you've got other stuff going on in your life and all of a sudden you have 40 patients and right. it's, it's, it's tight. And then you might go into someone and you're not trying to like not let them speak fully, right. but you think you kind of like can see, you don't need the additional information to make a diagnosis necessarily. Yeah. And so you have to, so that's a hard thing about being a surgeon. You're balancing that, which I well, thought cause you don't want to piss side. people off, obviously, cause they, they, they're there, they have feelings. They want to get all everything out that they want to say. And, you know, when I cut them short a little bit, it's, you know, it's dicey, but it is true. I mean, I mean, you know, but you know, my bad day shouldn't represent, you having a bad day at your visit either. And so I, I try to always remember that and try to. Well, and they, down, but, they also, they had to come yeah. check in they had to schedule a check in yeah. and do all that. And then you come in, you know, so for people, yeah. that's just like any office, medical office visit. Yeah. Like when you, you go somewhere, you, and then that someone comes in quick. Yeah. Um, but so I, you know, I, else? no, I just say, you know, just, you know, when you go to an office visit, you know, ask questions, you shouldn't be shy to ask questions that, that you're right as a patient. Um, but also, listen, you know, I should listen, but you should listen too, because you have to kind of, um, give the surgeon a chance to give you his perspective. And, and, um, you know, he's often looking at it much differently than, than your family doctor or a radiologist would have looked at your MRI reading or your, your, you know, study that they're going over. I'm just talking about neurosurgery specifically, but yeah. Um, and if there's anyone, I don't know, we talk about some, but if you are interested in any <clears throat> of the neurosurgery and kind of some of that stuff, 
um, and you ha- haven't seen him on social media, the social media side, it's uh, at Dr. All spelled out, Dr. Hefflinger. And, or you can just look, we put all the links in like, the description of this. Yeah. But we got a ton of videos, like, like short form videos and some other ones explaining different things, like how does a good one I think is how does different nerves being affected what does it present as like pain down the the uh, buttocks or or if it's down yeah. the front side you know those all connect to different nerves so i think we have we have a lot of good yeah. stuff there too but kind of a short podcast day but we thought it'd be good just kind of go over the patient experience like what to expect from an office visit and then obviously it's based upon my opinion obviously every neurosurgeon is kind of a different style and a different way of doing things but um you know just uh hopefully this may be helped if you have an upcoming office visit with a doctor yeah, just and maybe just get you thinking about different things or just because yeah. I think that yeah, always try to try to get as much information as you can from the source because every surgeon is going to there. There's no best approach in neurosurgery or any surgery. There's always there's different fields of thinking. Yeah. And then within that, there's doctors <clears throat> or the surgeons they've seen what works best for them. Like you, you usually tell people don't lift more than like a carton of milk weight yeah, wise, milk but that's, you know, that's all someone might <clears throat> describe it a little bit differently or different stuff like that. So it's all, you know, that's just expertise. That's your experience of what's worked well for your patients. So yeah. I think everything is pretty personalized. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys for listening. And as always, let us know if you have, uh, any topic suggestions and let us know what you think uh, of uh, the podcast. Um, Thank you. Have a great day.